Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. Better Leaders, Better Schools is a weekly show for ruckus makers. And what is a ruckus maker? A leader who has found freedom from the status quo. A leader who makes change happen. A leader who never, ever gives up. What would it be like to leave a traditional school setting and join a young startup independent school? If you're a longtime listener of the show, you know how I end each podcast. You're building a school from the ground up. I ask that question to challenge my guests to think big. I also love hearing how my diverse guests would approach this challenge because it helps you listening to prioritize what's most important. And today's guest, she actually did this in real life. Well, except the unlimited budget part. Up next, Amanda Valenzuela and I have a leadership conversation and we first discuss the difference between a traditional and startup school. So, Ruckus Maker, thanks for being here. And before we jump into the episode, let's take some time to thank our show sponsors. I believe that school leaders are doing the best they can. But is it possible to be just a little bit better? According to Demetrius, a school leader in California, the best part of the mastermind is the hot seat. I learned so much from the challenges that we all share during the hot seat because the feedback that our members give is so insightful and valuable. Lauren, a principal in Washington, D.C., remarked that the best part of the mastermind is access to tremendous thought partnering. If you would benefit from getting connected to other elite school leaders and would enjoy discussing education and leadership deeply each week, then we welcome your application to the mastermind. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. The Better Leaders Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder, a program designed to develop your students' executive function and non-cognitive skills. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Well, here we are with expert coach Kelly Crane. And so excited to talk to you today. And you have a tip of the week for the ruckus makers. I do, Danny. So the tip of the week is going to be build a team. So as you develop your, your relationships within your organization, take note of everybody's strengths. You need to build the team and it's a complementary process. It has complementary pieces and it, the building the team, it even bolsters your weaknesses kind of as a leader. So you want to make sure that you're really focusing on other people's strengths. You could build a school improvement team. You could build a leadership team. You could build a data team. And, you know, in my experience, effective school leaders build teams that can support their efforts as a leader. I think it's so important. There's so many different, a safety team. It's really exciting because you really want to empower your teacher leaders to, to be on these teams and really take your school to the next level. I really like this tip so much. And the only thing I want to add to it is when you said uh, bolster your weaknesses. So don't shy away from those. You know, you can think of diversity, obviously, in, in terms of uh, gender and ethnicity and all this kind of stuff. But also in terms of your strengths and weaknesses. It's really easy to hire people that look, think, talk just like you. But that 
is not diverse and it's not going to make a world-class team. So hire people that compliment you. Thank you, uh, Kelly, for for that point. Anything else you want to add? I agree with you so much that you do want to build your team and really focus on other people's strengths that can also teach you you know, when you do have weaknesses that will build on your weaknesses and make you a better leader as well. So I just think it's important to build those teams to support you as a leader. Speaking of great teams, if you want to join the best team for school leaders, we offer the world's best professional development, and that's called the mastermind. You can find out more about it, betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind and apply there. Uh, Here's the thing. Kelly is launching the next cohort and we want to help you level up. So check out what we're about, fill out that application and join the mastermind. Hey, Ruckus Makers. I am so excited to have Amanda Valenzuela join me today. I've known her through the mastermind. We've worked a bit one-on-one and she is a gem and you guys are really in for a treat today. Amanda's a secondary school educator, school leader, mom, and Southern California native. She's the upper school coordinator and language department head at the Episcopal School of Los Angeles, a young and quirky independent school in the heart of Hollywood, California, where students are taught to think deeply about what it looks like to be stewards of their communities. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. Absolutely. So Amanda, you left your comfortable position at a traditional school to join a startup independent school. It was so young and had so much room for innovation. How would you compare these two schools? My favorite part about working ESLA is that I feel like every single day I do something that I've never done before. Every single day I'm doing something and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I I hope this turns out okay. I I hope that uh, (laughs) this runs smoothly. And usually it does. It's exciting to wear that many hats, to work in admissions, to be on committees that are looking at discipline, to be thinking the, the thinking through the scope and sequence of our school and you know, asking these big questions about our academic identity that no one has had to answer yet because we're so young. I mean, these are some of the, the most fundamental differences between working at ESLA and Webb. And also, I mean, because we're a six through 12 program, we still talk a lot about what it means to be a student and what does it look like to be a student. And, you know, our students at Webb, you can tell them to go write a 15-page research paper and they're going to write it. You tell our students to go write a 15-page research paper, they may do it, but they're going to need to know why. They need to know that this is a meaningful task and it's going to contribute something to, to who they are. Um, and I think that's another really fun way that I'm engaging with students at my new school is like really constantly having to think through the why of everything that we do. Reminds me of uh, Simon Sinek, you know, and just starting with the why. I think if you, mm-hmm. if you start there, you're not going to go wrong. It's uh, November. This show, episode 222 is out. By now, I have invited ruckus makers that listen to the show, people that subscribe the emails to the Go community. And as I designed it, as I thought about how to introduce it, to everybody, I use that same design principle. They call the golden circle. Why, right? Mm-hmm. What is it? I could actually pull it up since we're talking about it. Might as well <laughs> just for a second. But the why is that better leaders, better schools. We believe everybody wins when a leader gets better. Everybody wins when you get better. The how is we do this through human connection and community building. Because if you think about it, the tribe that we have here with the podcast, that's a community. The masterminds a community. 
the one-on-one is human connection. Uh, and then the what is, well, the, the newest opportunity for school leaders to level up is through an online private membership community we're calling the Go Community, and you're invited to join. So we're trying to make, and I think we have, the greatest place on the internet for school leaders where you could connect, get resources, and level up. And I'm so glad you brought up that why. I also like hearing your story, Amanda, because I think you're the epitome of a ruckus maker. You know, you, you never give up. You absolutely uh, fight tradition and the status quo, and you make change happen. And that's exactly, you know, what you're doing at your school. And if everybody, wouldn't that be a great shirt? It's going to be okay. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be great to be reminded of that on a daily basis? Because we, we do things that we hope it's going to be okay. We believe it's going to be okay, but you don't, you're not 100% sure. But what if you believed it? What if you acted as if everything you did would be okay. You know, how would that change your leadership, your relationships, uh, maybe some of the risks that you take uh, as a school leader? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so fundamental. If we don't actually believe that Mm. as leaders, who's going to follow us? That's a great point. Yeah. Who's going to follow if we don't even believe that? Throughout your story, you talked about principles and values quite a bit. And, you know, I know one of your core values is courage. So what does it look like to honor courage in the context of your work? All right. Oh, man. Courage. <laughs> courage can be a real ruckus maker. Courage is a, it's, it's asking that pesky question that you don't want to ask at the end of the admin meeting because you know it needs to be asked. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I find that courage on the day-to-day, courage tends to show its head in the form of the difficult question. And I feel, I feel supported at my school because, I mean, part of our Episcopal identity is asking really difficult questions that may be unanswerable. And so I've really leaned into that at my school. I know it doesn't always make you the most popular person to ask the hard question that, like, how is this going to affect people? Or, okay, well, we're going to make this decision, but we just made this other hard decision that people haven't quite bounced back from. So can we, can we think through the impact here? I don't know what my mom and dad did to me, but I find (laughs) it is a part of my identity to push back against things. I push back against roles. I push back against the why. I mean, I guess that's why I connect with these students that we have at the school. I want to know why we're doing what we're doing. And the reason we've always done it this way just isn't good enough. And I find myself because (laughs) you can blame my grandmother and my mother for this because I have a hard time biting my tongue sometimes. I find that if you're going to ask the hard questions that sometimes make people uncomfortable, then you should also be ready to go out and apologize afterwards when you need to for making people feel maybe unnecessarily uncomfortable at times because I think that inevitably happens. You don't always know where people are coming from when they walk into a meeting. And so I do a lot of follow-up with folks, a lot of one-on-one follow-up to say, hey, I just want to know how that landed with you. Look, that wasn't personal. We're trying to think through these different things. I want to make sure. I just want to check in. I didn't misspeak. That's super, super important so that people don't think that you're just the, the squeaky wheel in the room and that you are trying to work towards something and build relationships. But really, I mean, I find because I'm working with teachers and trying to help them improve instruction in the classroom, the courage is constantly challenged, or I should say we're constantly being challenged to be courageous 
in the form of hard feedback as well. Yeah. How, if you're not willing to be honest with the teachers that you're supervising, who are trusting that you're, you're looking at their work, you're looking at what they're doing and that your, your real goals are to support them and to help them get better at their job. If you're going to hold back, then there's no way that your team can trust you. And so courage is, it's being able to work with that relationship that you've established to sometimes give hard feedback, but to do it in a way where you're leveraging and strengthening the relationship that you have with your team rather rather than taking a kind of risk where you might be damaging a relationship. And I had I had an experience with a colleague where, and I should say this colleague was somebody I'd known for several years. And this, it was a direct report. And I couldn't quite say with any certainty, but I felt like maybe there was some gender-based microaggressions in our conversations. You know, I would, I would give feedback and I would get a lot of pushback and I couldn't quite understand the push, the pushback. And so there were a, a couple of times when I approached my supervisor and put my hands up in there. I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to give this feedback. I'm getting a lot of pushback. Can you help me with this? And the three of us sat down together, my supervisor, my direct report, myself, and um, my supervisor gave the same exact feedback that I'd given. And my direct report was all about it. That's a great idea. I'm so excited about that. You know, so, so excited about something that when I had presented the same feedback, it was, it was a horrible idea. It was never going to work. There were all these problems with it. And it, it, it wasn't until that, that moment when the three of us were sitting in the room together that I said, okay, this is something we need to work on. And by ignoring it and wanting to pretend it doesn't exist, we're not getting anywhere. And so there were a series of conversations that happened with this colleague. And I, I didn't think this could happen. And this was such an affirmational experience for me. But I think by the third conversation that I had with the colleague, and it was just one-on-one by then, I actually felt closer to this person because I'd been able to say some hard things and to have him push back and say, well, I don't quite get this or I don't, you know, to be able to, to clarify the why, you know, why did that experience feel that way? Or why, why did it not feel good when you said this thing to this person, but you said something different to me? I don't regret that at all. And that was actually a really positive learning experience for me, you know, that I'm not afraid to sit down and have that hard one-on-one feedback conversation but it's also a question of knowing how to come into that from a place of love. And uh, in Dare to Lead, Brene Brown has a whole section on engaged feedback and what does it mean to sit next to somebody at the table instead of across from them. And yeah, that's, that's what courage is for me. Everyday courage is a conversation that you can choose not to have, but have anyway, because it's going to make you and your team better. Well, I'm glad you made the connection earlier in the story that you're just like your students. That you asked the big why. <laughs> I was hoping you get there. Otherwise, I was going to mention it. But that, I thought that was really interesting uh, to hear that this came from mom and grandma. And then to bring us to that moment, too, when a, um, a friend that you work with, right, still made a choice that could have been better, but you were courageous enough to address it. And that actually brought you guys closer together. And I would probably argue that you made the culture better as well. So I don't know, was there anything that mom, grandma taught you specifically, or is there something that you tell yourself, you know, so that you ask that hard question? Uh, you know, it's like, there's, there's a couple different mottos that I have 
But I mean, what, what mom and grandma specifically taught me is you just can't be worried about being popular all the time. I mean, everybody wants to be liked. I want to be liked as much as the next person, but I'm here to do a job. I'm not, I'm not here to be Amanda, the popular person. I need to, I need to ask the hard question. And what, what mom and grandma taught me is just to say it, just say it, just be direct with people. It doesn't always land well. And I mean, that's a tough cultural scenario to try to navigate. You can't be direct with people from all cultures. And it's actually pretty rare that my mom and my grandma as Mexican-American women are so direct. But I mean, they, they, they just taught me this fierceness that as a woman, there's no reason I can't do anything that, that, that anyone else does. And so I've never feared being bold and standing out in that way, which is ironic because I'm an introvert. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, in terms of, of having that conversation, I mean, holding, holding secrets in, holding things that need to be said inside of you, it's, it's like that expression. It's like swallowing poison and expecting it to hurt someone else. Although we're not talking about hurting anybody, right. but I mean, you, you hold in some stuff that needs to be said, and it's just going to make you feel bad. And I think over the years, I've learned to be more in touch with those triggers. I have a real trigger, which is feeling like I don't have a voice or like people aren't listening to me. And I think that's where that courage comes from. I can sit in a meeting for 45 minutes and not say anything, but I want that one important thing I have to say to be heard. And I think that's it. It's just that it's that anxiety of knowing if I don't say this thing that needs to be said, then I've lost my chance. I've lost my chance to have an impact. I've lost that most important pivotal moment when you're right in that, when you're in the thing that's happening is when you need to say the thing to make the change, not afterwards. Yeah, you feel it. So let's touch on voice in just a second, but I just want to, you know, honor that you uh, demonstrate internal and external awareness in terms of um, your EQ or emotional intelligence, knowing that there's this feeling bubbling inside you. Something's not right. So something has to be said. That's the internal. But knowing that we probably play too nice generally and definitely in schools, like that, that's a soft culture place. Like hard feedback is not delivered. But then uh, across, across the US, at least, and I know we have listeners everywhere. That tends to be a pretty nice, everything's awesome and great culture as well, where it's hard to sometimes give direct feedback. So good for you for checking in on people when you're direct and you're honest, you're, you're sharing it compassionately just to make sure they're okay. So yeah, voice is something I'm, I'm really fascinated with. And as, as I mentioned, you know, we've worked together in the mastermind or, or one-on-one and we've discussed finding your voice. So what can you tell ruckus makers listening about finding their voice. Oh gosh. Oh, one of the places that I really learned to find my voice was at this conference I went to last year, the Wonder Woman Conference through Leadership and Design. And it was funny, they did this activity. Uh, it was like all improv based. And so there's all these sticky notes and they all have words on them. And everyone went up and they grabbed their word. And the word that I grabbed was voice. And I think I sat there and everyone had to go up and tell a one minute improv story connecting themselves and their own, their own journey to whatever the word was. And I almost flew under the radar, Danny. We got to the very end you and I hadn't spoken yet. You didn't think I didn't know what I was going to say. <laughs> so, so, 
me and my post-it note that say voice, <laughs> very slyly hiding. And someone called me out for it. Uh, and I realized like, I, I don't mind hiding in the shadows, but um, I mean, what is it? What is my connection to that word? And I actually, oh, cool. you know, I, over the course of that conference, it started to take shape. And one of the, one of the biggest takeaways was it's okay to occupy space boldly. There was a woman, Barbara, Dr. Barbara Mullen, who came and spoke to us um, about the corporate world and about being a woman of color in a very visible leadership position. And she says, I'm already going to stand out. So you know what? I'm going to wear the bold lip color and I'm going to wear the bold print and I'm going to occupy space boldly. And that, like that for me, I don't know what that sounds like to a male identifying listener, but as a woman, we just hear our whole lives, you know, we need to minimize ourselves. Don't show this, don't show that, cover that up. You're, you're too loud. Don't wear loud earrings. You know, this pattern, we're constantly being given these messages, contradictory messages, right? To both stand out and to not make waves. And part of finding your voice or part of finding my voice was living into those small spaces. It's wearing the crazy earrings because I love the crazy earrings and that's who I am. And when I wear those wild earrings, I feel wild and I bring that energy to the faculty meetings or you know, I bring that energy to the classroom and my students love it. It's being able to be your weird self at lunch and to tell the crazy story. So we sit with our students at lunch three days a week um, and they're curious about us. They love adults. And so, I mean, finding voices, like it's finding those spaces where you really feel comfortable being yourself. And sometimes it's going to be the breakaway space. It's the lunch. It's when you're standing on curb waiting to, you know, waiting for students to get picked up. It's when you're, you're sharing that extra story that you wouldn't have told anybody because a student just asked you while you were out there. Finding a voice. I mean, it doesn't, I also learned, Danny, it doesn't mean that you have to stand in front of the room, that you have to be the center of attention. Finding a voice is like, it can happen in, in between spaces. It can happen in one-on-one conversations. It can happen in small groups. It's about, you have to like yourself, really. I think that's number one. If you're going to find your voice and you're going to be willing to share your voice, you have to like yourself and you have to believe that other people like you and or that what you have to say matters or no one's going to listen to you. No one's going to listen. It's going to come out and, you know, and the, the pitch of your voice will betray your confidence if you don't actually believe what you have to say matters. That's it. Love it. You know, I think of Philippe in uh, the, the Purple Cows. Uh, he could be soft-spoken, although some days he's, he's wound up and he, he says more than normal. Uh, but he, he tends to be more introverted and quieter within our cohort meetings. But when he does share, he, he really packs a punch, you know? And so I'm thinking about that, that you don't have to be the center of attention or like you said, it could be outside of the meeting, uh, one-on-one relationships and all that kind of stuff. And then to the point of liking yourself, that has to do with your personal and leadership presence. You know, is it healthy or unhealthy? And, and we all sort of fluctuate between that, you know? We all have a, a lizard brain and imposter syndrome and the unhealthy personal presence is when you doubt your contributions. When you have that healthy personal presence, you have confidence in what you're about to share. And so I look forward to 
uh, here and how we close out this podcast with some major value with a healthy personal presence and, and confident attitudes. But we're going to pause here just for a sec from a message from our sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder is an evidence-based RTI Tier 1 universal level solution and focuses on improving executive functioning and non-cognitive skills. You can learn more and improve your student success at OrganizedBinder.com. The Conrad Challenge unleashes the potential of students to solve the world's most difficult problems. Register until November 1st at theconradchallenge.org. All right, and we're back, Ruckus Maker, with Amanda Valenzuela, and we are talking so many amazing things about courage, voice, core values. Uh, What do you do as a woman when there's a microaggression that occurs? And not only that, which stinks in a culture, but when that happens too, and it's your friend, how do you address that? So this is great stuff, Amanda, that we've been talking about. Before we kind of go into the questions I, I typically ask, uh, I want to ask one off the cuff, just because we have worked in the mastermind and one-on-one. What would you say to the ruckus maker listening uh, about either of those experiences and, and why she might want to join? I mean, I really enjoyed because I have both experiences now working on you, working with you with one-on-one coaching, and then working with the larger group. It's not. I mean, it's been a year that we've been working together, and it's not until recently that I think I started to really grasp the way that isolation plays into these groups. I think your ruckus maker needs to know herself. If she's really looking to connect with a community of educators and to hear about other experiences, especially other folks that are working in the public schools, then the mastermind is amazing. I mean, I got so many resources out of that group. But also the one-on-one coaching, I found, depending on what kinds of issues that you're having as a, as a leader, the one-on-one coaching is really nice because you can get into more detail of uh, stories that you maybe wouldn't share with a larger group for reasons of you know, confidentiality and, and respect that you need to have for your work environment. Thanks. Amanda, what's one resource that's helped you level up in the last three months? Ooh, if that one's easy. You can look at my Audible account. Uh, <laughs> you can look at my PayPal account. It's Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. I have uh, the PDF version, the paper version, the audiobook. I love this book. She has taught me so much about courageous, vulnerable leadership. And it's been such a brilliant book because it connects with my school's values and virtues, curiosity, generosity, integrity, and courage. And really what this book has done has shown me that without trust, none of those things are happening. Without trust, you're not getting curiosity. Without trust, you're not getting vulnerability. And that's where the big work happens. And so it's been a really, Dare to Lead has really helped me think about boundary setting in my own life and also um, helping my colleagues do some healthy boundary setting so that we can be better at work together, but also have those really important boundaries that allows us to thrive outside work. Because if, if all we have going for us is work, then those down days are really going to bring us down. Right. And that's, I'm glad you bring up uh, Dare to Lead. I know it's been out for maybe a year or so. But we are reading that in the mastermind. So it's not too late. 
January and February, we'll be starting that up. Or if you're a member of the Go community, since we have a, a section, which is the world's greatest virtual reading group, uh, we're going to be reading Dare to Lead January, February there too. Amanda, what message would you put on all school marquees across the globe if you could do so for just a day? Uh, it would be a quote from The Alchemist. And the quote is, when you're on your own path, sorry, when you're on your path, the universe will conspire to help you. And I love that so much because so often we're on our path in the world. We've got our heads down. We're working. We think we're working towards something and you don't always know. And so if you've got that, that trust that you put it out there, the world's going to give it back to you. It's, it's spiritual fuel that helps you keep going. You're building a school from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities? All right. So I'm not a complete stranger to this scenario, um, except for the abundance of money. So here we go. Number one, <laughs> location. Um, I'm really big on hands-on immersion-based learning. So whether that's an, an urban immersion campus, similar to what I'm on right now, um, where we're learning from our neighbors and local institutions and their challenges. Or maybe it's a wilderness immersion school and we're learning about sustainability and environmental challenges. Um, I, I just want to, it's something location based because experiential learning is where all of those really bright, long lasting connections happen. Um, number two for my campus, we need a lot of shared spaces. I found this year as our school's been on a temporary campus that communities really need a lot of shared spaces and not just planned curated experiences, but a lot of spontaneous experiences as well. So having spaces where folks are likely to come together, maybe even have a purpose like a rooftop garden and meditation center, or uh, I don't know, an art and puzzle room. I mean, there, there should be fun spaces like that where people can come together and just chill or come together and, and, and do some fun, uh, fun work. And then last would be proximity to nature. We need quiet spaces, natural light, some indigenous plants. I think it's so important for, for kids and adults to remember that we are tethered to something bigger than us, um, and we're called to we're called upon to love and protect it. And you know that's ultimately what we're trying to do as educators is to show our students this in all of its dimensions. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? Um, I think ruckus makers should not should not fear the hard questions. I challenge all of the ruckus makers out there to, to ask that hard question in your next staff meeting or your next admin meeting. Spend some time wording it carefully. <laughs> but ask the hard questions because really that's where our growth as a community um, and our identity is really grounded and it's really going to be reflected in, in the deep work that we can do together. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. 
You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.